verses 4. And Elohim saw the light that it was good. And Elohim separated between the light and between the darkness. One purpose that darkness serves is that you cannot have revelation without darkness. All revelation comes from the field of darkness. For it to be revealed, it has to be hidden. I'll give you an example. You cannot look directly at the sun. You need a smoke glass. You need a filter. When you put that filter on, now you can look at the sun. You can actually see the disc and examine it. You cannot look at it without the smoke glass. That is like looking at eternity, looking at the ancient one. You cannot observe him if you look directly. So what does he do? He hides himself behind darkness so that we can observe him, so that we can analyze him, so that he can interact with us. That is why in Exodus, when he came down to speak to the nation of Israel, 20 verses 18, the people remained far off, but Moses drew near to the opaque darkness. Why was it opaque? Why darkness? Moses drew near to the opaque darkness where Elohim was. He uses darkness. He uses this world. The Hebrew word for world is olam. It means hiddenness. So he hides himself from us so that we can observe him, analyze him, understand him. If he doesn't do that, we're going to be consumed just by looking at him. So he hides himself. I'm giving you one good example for why darkness is created. To obscure so that revelation will come out. All revelation comes from the field of hiddenness or darkness. He has to hide himself for us to be able to comprehend or even understand him. Any questions till this point before we move on? We have a very difficult phrase. And Elohim saw that the light was good. And Elohim saw the light that it was good. He saw. How do we understand that concept of the ancient one seeing? Wait a second. He just created it. Is he observing it and later finding out that it was good? That could not be. He just created something and like, oh, it's good. What do we mean by he saw the light that it was good? Usually, verbs of perception, where they refer to Elohim, do not mean what we mean by verbs of perception when we use them. The Hebrew language often uses verbs of psychology in ways that we would not use in our everyday speech. I'll give you an example. Let me give you a context first, the background. Ahasuerus threw a party. He asked the queen Vashti to make an appearance and she refuses. He has her deposed. Chapter 2 begins as follows. After these Events when King Ahasuerus' fairy subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done. 
he remembered. Does that mean in the interim he forgot? That's what remember means in English. On Monday, I remembered I had an appointment with a dentist. Means that I forgot. Now, are we to imagine, just what we read. Are we to imagine Kinahaj Verush scrolling in the palace and all of a sudden he's like, Gosh, I haven't seen Vashti today. I wonder where she is. And then he remembers, oh no, now I remember we threw her out. That is probably not the right meaning here when we say he remembered. It does not mean that in the interim he forgot, even when we use it with humans. To remember in biblical Hebrew does not exactly mean what the word remember means in English. Remember means to make a present decision on the basis of a past fact. I repeat it. Remember means to make a present decision on the basis of a past fact. Ahasuerus is looking for a queen. And because of that matter, now... She re he remembers that Vashti is kicked out. Did he forget? No. The past fact is relevant to what he's going to decide now. The past fact that Vashti was kicked out is relevant for his decision for wanting a queen. So when we say remember, in biblical Hebrew, especially used vis-a-vis -vis the ancient one, it is not that he forgot in the interim. No, it means he's making a decision on the basis of a past fact. I give you a clear example. Exodus 3, 16. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, that's Elohim of your fathers, has appeared to me, the Elohim of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, saying, I have surely remembered you. Pause. Did he forget? Not at all. He says, I have surely, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm making this present decision on the basis of a past fact. What was the past fact? He promised the patriarchs that he's going to do this. The past fact is relevant to what I'm deciding to do now. That is what it means when we say Elohim remembered. He did not forget. It was irrelevant then. So he does not consider it. Now it's relevant. So he's going to consider it. He's going to make a decision to bring us out of Egypt on the basis of the past fact that he promised the patriarchs he was going to do this. So when we use these verbs of perception, Elohim saw, Elohim spoke, Elohim remembered, we should not interpret it as we would interpret it as in remember means he forgot. No. He's making a decision on the basis of a past fact. That is what remember means when it's used vis-a-vis -vis Elohim or the ancient one. So when we say Elohim saw, it means that he projected permanence into light. That is the quality of lasting or remaining unchanged Indefinitely, he projected that into the light. Remember, 
Darkness was on the stage. Water was on the stage. The deep was on the stage. Light was on the stage. The only thing that was we, we said he saw that was good was light. Is the only thing that he projects permanence into that is going to remain unchanged indefinitely is going to serve a very good distinct purpose. So that's what it means he saw that it was good. He's not examining it after the fact and saying that, oh, I created something. It looks to be good. No. He's projecting permanence into the light. So we explain it as Elohim saw the light that it was good. It does not mean he was taking notes and finding out what was going on. But rather, he projected permanence for the light. And he does not do that for everything that was on the stage before the introduction of light. He doesn't project permanence into the water, into the darkness, into the deep. It was just the light. It's going to be on the stage and it's going to serve a purpose indefinitely. Now, the little quiz to explain this further. Does Elohim... Or the Most High, does he have eyes? Does he have a mouth? Does he have ears? That's a question. Does Elohim, or the Ancient One, does he have eyes? Does he have a mouth? Does he have ears? Does he have a nose? I would say, I would, I would say no. You would say no? Not in, the traditional, not in the traditional sense that we think of in terms of flesh. Okay. Very good. Do we all agree? Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, but that is just too shocking. I had to say something. But when he said he created us in his image, I mean, when he said it's not traditional sense, what? So I think he's saying that he doesn't have eyes as in a socket with a ball in it. Right. Oh, okay. I understand. Oh, okay. I didn't understand that in that way. Okay. Um, just also... Um, just to just ask you one more thing before you ask, before I even go in, um, before I'm going to sort of deviate a little bit off this eyes and mouth ears thing. When you, when you talked about remember, um, is, that, is that the same sort of meaning when he said remember the Sabbath then? That was based on what we've done previously in the past rather than the by making sense. Yes, yeah, so... Yeah, so they remember the Sabbath day was said to us. So it didn't say that he remembered the Sabbath day. No, If the text was said he remembered the Sabbath day, yes, it would mean what I just explained. But we were told to remember the Sabbath day. So no, it's not the same principle when used vis-a-vis -vis God or Elohim. Actually correct. Let me explain. 
So does the ancient one have eyes? Does he have mouth? Does he have ears? Yes, he does. Um, God literally has eyes. He literally has a mouth. He literally has ears. Now, if I tell you that Yah literally has the above, we would conclude that he has a body. That is necessarily not true. Because, remember, I said he literally has these things. When we say, does the ancient one has or have eyes, we don't mean these things here. That's not what we mean. Does he have a socket with a ball in it? No. Does he have this thing in our face that has two holes in it? No. Does he have this thing that, these lips, I don't know how to even um, explain it. No. So what does it mean? Let me explain it this way. If I say, you should tell me which part of our body that we use to do something that God does. That is, his power of instant, effortless, comprehensive, accurate knowledge of everything. The Most High has this ability or this attribute, if I can use the word not, I'll use ability. And then I ask you, which part of our body do we use to perform this function that the Most High has? Instant, effortless, comprehensive, accurate knowledge of everything. is the eye. The eye performs this function. Instant, effortless, comprehensive, accurate knowledge of everything. When you see, when you use your eyes, you perform this function. When your eyes see, this is the function that your eye is performing. Explaining further. The Most High has this ability. And we perform this function with our eyes. So when we say he has eyes, we're not saying he has this socket with a ball in it. Not at all. It's a function that we perform with this particular part of the body. I give an exa another example. The most highest power of acting in an accurate, precise, focused, control manner. An accurate, precise, focused, control manner. We do that with our head. Does it mean that he has a head like the one we have? No. So the ability refers to the most high and they are borrowed in reflection to us. I repeat that. These attributes, these things, when we say the most high sees, he speaks. We're not saying he has the mouth that we have. No, this is a function that he performs, an ability that he performs. But we do this ability using these parts of the body that he's given us. So we borrow from the terms that define divine providence. We borrow it. He's not borrowing it from us. We borrow it. And then we use it for the flesh and blood, five-fingered limbs. So when I say God has eyes, yes, he has eyes, but not the socket with the ball. Right. 
He performs something, his action, his attribute, something that he does, and then we duplicate or we mimic it with the socket with the ball. Does he smell? Yes, he smells. But not with this thing in front of us with two holes. Does he speak? He does. But not with the lips and the tongue that we have. We take these material, physical things to perform a function that he does. But does not necessarily mean that he has these fingers and toes and a knee and a back. Not at all. So, yes. So then, Reverend, can I ask a question? Yes, please. So if this is the case, does that make us like like the tabernacle, uh, a shadow of, of the things that are in heaven? You can interpret as such, correct? Yes. So it's a, it's a, du- it's a duplicate, it's a, um, a shadow. Yes, that's the correct word. It's a shadow. What is there is reflecting here because we are told that Moshe actually saw the tabernacle and he was given the dimensions of it and that's how he built it. Correct. So we borrow from divine providence from eternity and then we duplicate it here. So our very being is a shadow of, of what is in heaven. So when, when he made us in his likeness, he made us in earthly form, uh, what is most comparable in earthly form to that which already exists in heaven. Correct. I like that definition. I like that explanation. Correct. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. So we borrow from him. We borrow things that he does and then we try to explain it with uh, we, we, functions. We try to perform those functions with our feet and our eyes and our ears and stuff. That is why someone who is blind will perform that action of seeing to read with his fingers. That is how he's trained to read. He's performing the function of us using our eyes. He's using his fingers to do that. 